Hi everyone and welcome back to the podcast, Be the Blank Your Mom Wants You to Marry. Alongside my co-host, Ariana Kenningsberg, my name is Gabrielle Resnick and we're excited you're here with us. The goal of our podcast is to be a guide for young women like ourselves exploring life and career paths. We will be broadcasting our conversations with successful women across industries and professions, offering an intimate look at the opportunities, challenges, and rewards for working women. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the program. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, we have the pleasure of interviewing Janae Sumins. Janae is a clinical pharmacist at a local South Florida hospital. Some of her roles and responsibilities include evaluating medication therapy and making appropriate recommendations to health practitioners. She also monitors patient progress and makes relevant recommendations to change. Janae is passionate about providing the safest and optimal care for her patients. She earned her bachelor's degree in dietetics and doctoral degree in pharmacy at the University of Florida. She enjoys weightlifting, spending time with family, and traveling. Janae, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. (laughs) Janae, before we dive into your career, we want to learn about your early life. You have Jamaican parents and grew up in Fort Lauderdale. Can you tell us a little bit more about your family and home life? Yes. I grew up in Coconut Creek, Florida, which is near Fort Lauderdale. And my parents immigrated from Jamaica in the 80s. So we've been here for a long time. And my parents valued education and making sure that I pursued all of my interests educationally and extracurricularly. So they would always stress to me how important it is to be successful in school and make sure I got the best grades that I could. And they would always make sure that I had tutors or help whenever I needed it. And um, if I was ever interested in any kind of hobby, they always made sure that I would do it. So I went through a lot of different hobbies. Like, um, I think one that I remember the most is the bassoon, and that was for (laughs) three months, and I did not like it. And, you know, I also played sports and things like that. So I think that they gave me the best childhood that they could. So happy about that. (laughs) And who are your role models growing up, and how did they influence you? Yes, so growing up, my role models were my mother um, because she is confident and she also is intelligent and she makes a lot of the decisions for our family. She would always evaluate everything and uh, research and then make sure that it was the best the best thing that we could do at that time. And um, she would always, she always had more than one job. So she would, in order to provide for all of us, her and my dad, they would, in addition to their jobs, they were nurses. They still are. Um, they would pick up other things to do to help um, support us. So um, my mom was um, pretty important to me, and she still is. And um, I think she's the main role model in my life. So that's all I can think of. And coming out of high school, what were your thoughts about a career path? Okay, so coming out of high school, I was convinced that I was going to be a physician. And so I applied to all the colleges. I went to Duke University, and I started taking all of the pre-med classes. And 
I remember struggling quite a bit um, at Duke because I went to Deerfield Beach High School down here and I was pretty close to the top of my class and I was excelling there. But then when I got to Duke, I realized that, hey, I'm not, I'm not at the top anymore. And there's like a whole bunch of students who are really great. So I came back to Florida and I decided to redo all of my pre-med classes all over again because I still thought I wanted to be a doctor. So I went to the community college and I redid all of the classes like chemistry, organic chemistry, physics, what is it, what else is it, microbiology. I did all of them that I could and I just made sure that I had a good foundation in all of those courses so that when I went back to a university I wouldn't struggle as much because I would know what's going on and the classes were smaller and the instruction I found was a lot better. Once I compared it to a university, it was like way better. So it was definitely a blow to my ego um, when I had to leave Duke and come back to a community college. But at this point now, when I look back, I have no regrets about it. Um, so after I finished up all of my courses at the community college, I went to UF and I decided that my fallback, if I didn't get into med school, would be to be a dietitian because I like nutrition and I thought it was pretty cool. So I was like, okay, well, I'll do that. So I majored in food science and human nutrition, and it was a specialization in dietetics so that I could become a dietitian if I wanted to. And during that time, I was still taking my pre-med classes, and then I decided I don't want to be a doctor anymore. And I said, maybe I'll be a dentist. So I took genetics, and I distinctly remember taking that class, and I did not like it at all. And I realized that I don't want to be a dentist either. So that eliminated doctor and dentist. And then I realized when I was studying, I, I remember reading about drug interactions and like food and drug interactions and how they affect people. And I thought, wow, that's really cool. So then I said, hey, let me just think about pharmacy. So I ended up deciding on pharmacy, and that was my plan, and I stuck to that one, and I have no regrets about it. And I'm kind of glad, I am glad that I went through the process of eliminating certain career paths, um, because now I'm 100% sure that this is what I want to do. And I don't look back and say, oh, I wish I had tried doing this because I, I did try it and I realized it wasn't for me. So although my path wasn't direct, I am grateful that I had all of the opportunities to experiment with everything before I ultimately decided on what I would do with my life. So, Right. And were your parents supportive when you decided? Yes, they were. They were really supportive. They always told me to just as long as I stay in my classes and keep Focusing on my school, they, they, they wanted me to just make sure I knew what I wanted to do and to be good at it. So I, they never made me feel bad, and they were fully supportive of everything that I did as long as I, I stayed, I stuck with the path. Um, I mean, they wouldn't be okay if I had, like, dropped out, and I don't think they'd be super cool with that. But um, I did do that. So, um, yes, they were really supportive. And had you shadowed or worked in a pharmacy setting prior to going to pharmacy school? I did. I did shadow a pharmacist for a little while, and I thought it was really interesting because she, what I really, what I really, what really drew me to it was multitasking because 
she had to do so many different things at the same time, and she had to remain organized and make sure it was accurate at the same time. And she also had to have people skills and be able to work in a team, and it just required so many different elements that uh, I was really inspired by it to, to do it because I said, wow, this is really cool. You're not doing the same thing every day. Um, you're in charge of a team. You have to have a brain, and you also have to be able to talk to people and form relationships with them. And I thought that's a really cool balance to have with a job where it's unpredictable, but you can figure things out and you're problem solving all day. So it just keeps it really interesting all the time. And I want to transition to talking about applying to pharmacy school. Sure. So what are like the requirements, courses, and exams? So the requirements that I had, and this was probably more than 10 years ago, so I don't know if they've changed, but you had to take um, the core science classes. So you had to take your general chemistry, organic chemistry, um, physics, calculus. What else did I take? Um, basically the science and the math classes. You had to take all of those. And then you also had to take the entrance exam, which is called the PCAT. So you had to take that and based on your score and your GPA that you had in undergrad at that time, that would determine, those were the two main factors to get into pharmacy school. And are there various degrees that could be gotten and what are the differences between them? With pharmacy? Yes. So there, it used to be a bachelor's in pharmacy, but it's been transitioned to a PharmD, which is the doc doctorate. So I've noticed that a lot of healthcare degrees have been transitioning to a doctorate um, of the four-year degree. Like, for example, I think physical therapy is a, you have to have a doctorate to do that too. Um, so there is only one way to become a pharmacist at this point in the United States. You have to get a PharmD. And can you tell us about the application process? Yes. So it was similar to a college, like an undergrad application. You had to submit your score from the PCAT. You needed letters of recommendation. I think I needed two letters of recommendation. So I had one from a science teacher, I think one of my food science teachers, professors, and then I had one from a physics professor. And you also, did I say the personal statement? So you had, so you have to have a personal statement about why you wanna be a pharmacist. And your GPA, like you're just your, your, yeah, your GPA from undergrad. I believe that's everything you need. Mm. And you got into UF, which is ranked fifth in the nation for pharmacy. So how important is it where you go to school? It was important to me that it, that I went to a reputable school. Um, I, I wanted to come from a school that had a good pass rate on their board exam that was really important to me because that I would look I looked at that a lot like what is the pass rate for the board exam for the people who graduated because if it was a lower pass rate it would tell me that the quality of the education like the didactic part wasn't good wasn't that great if you're not able to pass your students when it really matters to become a pharmacist so I looked at that um, I also looked at cost and UF, I was in-state, so that was very appealing to me because I got in-state tuition, so I didn't have to pay as much 
for that. And I also got to commute there, so I didn't have to pay for housing. So that really eliminated a lot of student loan debt. Um, I also... I also looked at like the environment and I like for so physically I like Florida so I wanted to stay in Florida because it's bright and sunny because I remember looking at colleges for undergrad that were out of state for example like Cornell and it was I think it was the springtime and it was 50 degrees and people were out sunbathing and I said this is not for me I cannot I don't want to go here like I would I'd be sad and then there are gorges and all of these things there, and I, I just I didn't like it. So then I said, you know, I think I'm going to stay in the South because I don't I, I don't like cold weather. So I would look at I looked at like you know the location, and um, I had gone to UF for undergrad, and I really I, I love UF. So I said, well, I liked it for undergrad, so I'm going to like it here. And I knew a few people already, so that was great, and it was close to home. So. Those were the main things that I looked at when I was evaluating where I would go to school, where I wanted. And how large was your class? Oh, man. Um, how many people did I graduate with? I think there were 300 students total because there were satellite campuses. So there was the, we were the main campus in Gainesville. And then there, were, there was a campus in Jacksonville. And then there was a campus in Orlando. And I believe there was a campus in St. Pete. So... I also prayed that I would get into Gainesville because I did not want to do remote because it just, I felt like it created more barriers to your education if you can't access the professors directly. Because if you have questions, you can't just go to the office. You have to email them or call or do something like that. And I just felt like there were more resources at the main campus. So, um, I'm really happy that I got into the UF one, I mean, into the Gainesville campus. And can you tell us about your first year? Did you feel prepared? I did feel prepared for my first year. It was challenging, but it wasn't overwhelming. So I was really happy that I stayed back and redid all of those foundational classes um, at the community college because I felt like because I understood the fundamentals, I was able to apply those fundamentals to the classes, um, the pharmacy school classes. So I, I just remember that I was able to understand and retain the information. And I did have to work at it, but it wasn't to the point where I felt like I just couldn't do it and I was failing. Like, I was still doing okay. So I felt good. And what percentage of your class was female? Uh, I don't remember the exact percent, but I do know that pharmacy is dominated by females, so it, it skews more towards females than males. So there were more, more mm-hmm. girls. And what did you find most challenging and rewarding about your schooling? So the most challenging part was um, studying all the time and memorizing things and going over the same thing multiple times so that you remember it for the test. And I remember feeling like I had to sacrifice my social life for school. And I remember feeling very sad about it sometimes because like I'd have to make these decisions where, oh, there's a party tonight, but I have a test in a couple days and I want to do well on it. So I guess I need to make a decision. So I I would generally choose studying over that. So that was um, definitely a challenge. Uh, throughout school and one of the 
greatest rewards was t is when I passed the board exam and I was a pharmacist because I had finally finished everything and I had like achieved what I wanted to do. So I think um, the rewarding part was when I was able to take all of this information that I had learned and then apply it to a patient um, and see why we were doing all of these things. Like, why was I learning about this mechanism uh, of action of this drug? And why did I need to know about these interactions? But then when I realized that, hey, like, here's a real person, I, I can use all of these skills and all of this knowledge that I have to make a decision for this, that affects this person's life. So then that's, that's the reward I got out of it. And what did you do during your summers? During my summers, I, we had to do internships. So during the summers, I would work. I had a, like a little part-time job at an invitation store, so that was fun. But I also had to, I think the first summer, I had to work. I had to work. I remember I worked at CVS. I had an internship there. So, yes, I had, so you just pretty much shadow the pharmacist and you learn all, you learn more about the roles and responsibilities like in real life. So that's what I did the first summer. And this, I worked, I had an internship at CVS throughout the, all of my, for all of pharmacy school. So that's what I did every summer actually during my spare time. I was always at CVS. And is this necessary to have an internship before you go to work? Yes, actually. Um, so it's required, in addition to the classroom time, it's required that you you get practical hours, which means that you work at different pharmacies in, in different capacities. So um, I forgot how many hours are required, but I do know that the last year, so pretty much for one year, you're not at school anymore and you're in practice and there's different, you ha you're required to work in, at different sites. Um, there's like required ones that you have to do. For example, one of them, you work in adult medicine, so you have to be in a hospital. So I, you have to do that for two months. Some of them were elective. So for example, I did one in veterinary compounding. So that was really interesting. So you make like these large batches of drugs for horses or something, and that was really cool. And then like, I think one of them is ambulatory care. So you work in a clinic. So we were, um, I, I was in this small town in Florida um, at this free clinic where it was reduced rate for the, for the patients. And it was, it was really interesting to see underprivileged patients and how much you impact their life there. Because coming from South Florida or, yeah, coming from South Florida, there's a lot more wealth here and you don't really notice that as much. Um, but when you're in these smaller towns, underserved areas, you realize how much need there is and how much people depend on this like one place for all of their, their healthcare. So, um, so yes, to answer the question, there are a lot of, you have to just practice at different sites for a year. Mm -hmm. And can you talk a little bit more about the licensing tests and requirements by the state? Sure. So in order to take the board exam, you have, there are certain requirements. So you have to have, you have to have graduated from, well, if you're born in the United States or if you took your, if you got your degree in the United States, you have to have your farm, 
PharmD from an accredited university. Then you also have to show proof that you did all of your clinical hours, like the internship stuff. You did all of that. Um, I think that's everything, and you have to have passed. So you just have to have your, your degree. And then I think you, I submitted all of that information, and then you sign up for the exam, and you have to just take it. And it's electronic. I remember that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you currently work as a clinical pharmacist in a hospital as part of a multidisciplinary team caring for patients. Was this your first career position? No, I worked at CVS first. And then I worked there for two and a half years, and then I transitioned to the hospital um, after CVS. And how did you choose to work in a hospital? Um, I applied, and I was really lucky to get get a position at the hospital because I found it to be quite challenging to get into a hospital because there are fewer pharmacists that work. There's not a lot of pharmacists that work in the hospital. And I feel like there's more job satisfaction in the hospital versus in an outpatient setting like CVS or Walgreens. So there's less turnover. So it's harder to get in. To the, it was harder for me to get into the hospital. And does pay differ if you're in a clinical setting versus like a retail pharmacy? Well, when I started working in retail, you the salary was higher, and I always used to wonder why, but after I got there, I realized that it's a lot more arduous to work in a retail setting um, because you're the only one working at the farm. I was the only one working at the pharmacy for the entire day, so from open to close, it's one pharmacist and you have to take, you're overseeing all of your, your technicians and the workflow. And at that time there wasn't a designated lunch break either. So you would just have to squeeze it in at some point between phone calls or a drive-through uh, bell ringing. So I just remember uh, realizing why they offered so much. It was like an incentive to work there. And what does a typical day look like for you? For me right now, a typical day would look like this. So it depends on what shift I'm assigned. So sometimes I work, there's decentralized pharmacists and then there are centralized pharmacists. So the centralized pharmacist works in the main pharmacy. So they're usually like downstairs and they receive phone calls from the nurses or the doctors. And they're responsible for primarily for deliver, making sure the drug gets to the patient. So they're like triage. So they um, so when I'm working in the main pharmacy, um, I'm usually looking at orders coming in from doctors and then I'm routing them to the appropriate person, like to the different pharmacists who are assigned to whichever floor that patient is on. Um, or if it's assigned to me, then I'm the one working through the order or resolving it if there's a problem. Um, I also, uh, if there's like a chemotherapy drug that arrives for a patient, I'm responsible for that and making sure it gets to the patient. So you're pretty much in the, that role, you're, it's kind of like a command center. So you're, you're in charge of like the main workflow. And um, so then when I, when I work as a decentralized pharmacist, it's focused more on the individual patients on that floor. So for example, if I'm working on the fourth floor, there's, I'm looking at all of the patients on that floor and 
so there's a lot of things that I look at. So, for example, I look at there's this medication called vancomycin, and that's an antibiotic. So you have to evaluate that at least once a day because the drug levels, if it becomes too high, it can get toxic and you can um, damage the patient's kidneys. And if it's too low, then you're not treating them for the infection. So you have to make sure it's within a certain level every day. Um, so I evaluate vancomycin for the patients who are on it. I also look at opportunities to narrow their drug therapy because in pharmacy, we're also known as we're involved in antibiotic stewardship because a lot of pretty much with all of the antibiotics, the problem has always been something called resistance. So if you stay on an antibiotic for way too long, or if you're on it repeatedly, unnecessarily, you the, the bugs that you're treating can become resistant to it, and then it doesn't work anymore. And then you have to try another drug that's even stronger. So I'm always looking at, are there opportunities to scale back this antibiotic and like find something that is just as effective but more narrow so that you're not treating all of these things so that they increases the, the opportunity for resistance. So I'm looking at that. So I'll evaluate those drugs. And then if I see an opportunity to deescalate it, then I'll call the doctor and I'll ask them if that's something that they're open to. Because if the data supports it, usually you'll get a report that'll say this antibiotic works for this. So um, I'll, I'll explain that and then they can say yes or no. So I just bring that information up to the doctors. And I also look at opportunities to switch patients from like an IV drug to an oral drug because it's better to use your stomach and your gut to, um, to like uh, absorb medications. And if you can, in many cases, and um, I also I also look at like how long patients have been on antibiotics. So if it looks like they've been on it for an appropriate duration, I'll also call the doctor and ask them, hey, like you know they've been on it for for 20 days. What do you think? Do you like I'm just checking in to see if they still need this. So a lot of it is just um, looking back at patient uh, progress notes and their medication record and like uh, evaluating it and looking at it for opportunities to just make it even better for the patient. And I also, um, I also do something called medication reconciliation with patients. So if, for example, someone came in to the hospital and we have patients who are on lots of drugs, like I've had like patients on like 40 drugs, 40 different medications. And sometimes it gets all confused and their, they, their list that we have has um, medications from like a year ago and then they bring in their other medications and then there's like a whole bunch of them. So I'll go to the patient and I'll also call the pharmacy and make sure we have the correct list so that we can make sure that the right drugs are continued and we're not continuing things that they're not on anymore and we're not omitting things that they are on. And so I closely look at that, and I also bring that to the doctor's attention to, to let them know that, hey, like, they're actually on this. If, For example, if, let's say, the physician had continued a medication that they weren't on, I'll, I'll address that just so that the patient 
it also it reduces like drug interactions and if the patient's not on it then they don't need to be on it so um it's a lot of detail so you have to just you have to do things efficiently but you also have to be accurate because as soon as you hit accept the nurse can pull this medication that you just entered from the machine and give it to the patient so it's nothing it's it's nothing to be taken lightly and i i always try my best to make sure that i'm not rushing because mm-hmm. sometimes you're doing something and then somebody will call you on the phone and you stop what you're doing then you forget what you were doing with this patient and then someone walks up to you and has another question so it's a lot of um organization and time management because there's a lot of things that you're getting done i feel like i hit the ground running every shift and um, you just have to make sure that you're you're not messing up like can't Mm -hmm. mess up (laughs) and what do you find most rewarding about your job so the most rewarding part of my job is when i really enjoy it when i get to talk to the patients and uh, I do like going into their rooms and discussing their medications with them, or even if I have to clarify something, it's nice to just have um, contact with them and form a relationship with them and also instill trust in them to let them know that, hey, there's a pharmacist here looking at your medication and they're looking out for you. So um, hopefully it will also increase their trust in their pharmacist um, once they're outside of the hospital and they go back. They'll say, hey, you know, I can trust this person. Um Another rewarding thing is when I'm able to make, I'm able to help change their medication therapy so that it's more appropriate for them because sometimes they're on, on, on drugs or on regimens that they don't necessarily need to be on anymore. And I help to I help to just optimize it and make it better for them. So that's always rewarding when I feel like I made some kind of change, made a difference. Mm-hmm. And what are your biggest challenges? Okay, so my biggest challenges are time management. So there are a lot of, so many different things that happen throughout the day and so many interruptions. And um, it's, you I, I, being organized is challenging because there are, you have to, get a certain amount of things done during an eight-hour shift and it has to be accurate at the same time and um, you have to be able to pivot and prioritize throughout the day because you'll think you have one schedule set you have something in your mind for that day but then something can come up and it just derails that plan that you had so you just have to be able to make changes on the go and um, just continue continue moving forward mm-hmm And what advice would you give to women who are considering a career in pharmacy? Advice that I would give is to understand or to trust that taking all of those classes in undergrad, all those uh, pre-health classes in undergrad and taking the exams to the, the, what is it, the entrance exam to get into pharmacy school, it may feel like it'll never end and it's taking forever and it's hard, but 
now that I look back on the effort and time and tears that went into all of that, uh, it was all so worth it. And I have no regrets about what I decided to do. And I would recommend it. I'd recommend this career to anyone who is passionate about the subject. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone because I feel like you you need to be pretty pretty clear on what kind of career you want and just testing out different areas. So, um, so my advice is to experiment with different major, not necessarily different majors, but I would suggest um, shadowing women in different careers or like that are related to what you want and just getting a, 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 the best picture that you can about what it would be like to work in that capacity so that you're pretty convinced and sure that you want to do it and that you want to do it and that you're not doing it for other people, like mm-hmm. your parents, for example. Like, um, because I feel like you wouldn't be happy if you just decided on a career and you didn't like it. That would, that would, that would stink. Mm-hmm. And what daily habits or habits do you believe are integral to your success? Um, so some habits that are integral to my success are remaining interested in pharmacy and continuing education. So it is required to do continuing education in most of the healthcare fields. So you have to get a certain number of hours every two years um, by taking like different courses or just it's just on different topics. So you can pick whatever you want pretty much. There's so many different things. So I, I do enjoy taking different continuing education classes, and I like reading up on different topics so that I'm more well-versed in what's going on when I go to work and so that I can help the patient. So um, I think that just constantly learning is it's going to be forever with, with this career. And... Um, I think that, yeah, that that's those that's the main habit that that that's helped me. <laughs> and you enjoy weightlifting. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, I love weightlifting. I started it. I started lifting weights when I was twenty, so it was a while ago. And um, I think I used it initially in school, so it was a it was something to do for fun to get my mind off of studying and take a break. And it just turned into like a hobby and I just love doing it now, now that I'm not even in school anymore. So uh, yeah, I, I, I have a great time doing it. It's more, it's just as fun as work for me. So I like doing it. <laughs> and what does the first and last hour of your day look like? Oh, wow, it's a good question. Um, so the first hour of my day, do you mean like when I wake up or when I go to work? Just like in general? In general. Okay, so the first hour of my day is waking up and having coffee and then planning what I'm doing for the day. I always like to have like an itinerary, especially on my days off, so that it's fun. So I always try to, uh, I like to plan for exercise that day. I like to do that. And I always like to think about 
which family member I want to see because I used to live in Ocala and now that I'm back, I get to see all of my extended family and uh, all the time because they're all so close. So um, I always think about that. And um, I also like to, that's pretty much what I do in the first hour of my day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so Janae, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to us today. Sure, thank you. We hope the listeners enjoyed our conversation as much as we did. Please check out our other episodes and visit us on Instagram at Be the Blank Podcast. See you soon.